You are Locked On Bama, your daily podcast on the Alabama Crimson Tide, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, everybody, and welcome back into Locked On Bama. Luke Robinson, that's me. Jimmy Stein, that's him. Jimmy, how are you today? Awesome. Awesome. Christmas coming up and Cincinnati coming up. That is true. If you didn't know Cincinnati was coming up or Christmas was coming up, uh, you are a certified dumbass for listening to this podcast. (laughs) Uh, Anywho, um, last time we spoke, Jimmy, you, your phone was literally in the trash can and um, and you were using it still. Um, Anywho, um, this episode is brought to you by Sonos, S-O-N-O-S dot com is where you want to go check them out. Um, and also thank you for making Locked on Bama your first listen. And finally, I want to throw this out there. We get, at least I get a newsletter every Monday from the uh, Locked on Network parent company thing. And they always say like, who's doing the best in, in pro Locked on stuff, pro football, Major League Baseball, NBA, whatever. And best of college 2021, uh, Locked On Bama's in there. It's Auburn, the Vols, the Spartans, LSU, the Wolverines, BYU, Bama. It's Locked On SEC, Locked On Hawkeyes, and Locked On Gators. And the College Channel had an increase in listens and views of 65% over last year. And five college shows with the highest growth rates were us, Auburn, Iowa, the Sooners, Missouri and Ohio State, and that's six, so I don't know why they did that. Maybe they just – I hope they didn't just throw us in there to, like, make me read that. But um, regardless – They felt bad. Well, they heard that my uh, phone was in the trash can, so they probably felt bad for us. Yeah, they probably – That's how bad that I felt bad for us. I felt (laughs) bad for us. That was awful. Um, All right. So, Jimmy, what we're going to do today – Um, because it's Christmas week, so it's not like there's going to be a ton of news, although we can talk a little in this first segment, let's talk about a little news. And then the next two segments, we're going to start like just reminiscing about the season a little bit. We may carry this over into another pod, but, um, I I think we have to talk about Bo Nix transferring to Oregon. Um, Mm -hmm. because that is so bizarre in a lot of ways. Number one, Oregon's already got a quarterback who's good. I mean, He's he's a, there was a tweet out there from Stuart Mandel I think that like Oregon's quarterback ranked 68th in uh, passing efficiency or whatever, and Bo Nix ranked 80 something, and Bo Nix has been in the 80s all three years he's been at Auburn. So like I, I don't know that it's just a shoe in that he's going to be the starter at Oregon. Number one, number two, they open up with Georgia next year. I mean <laughs> Georgia is like. Oh no! Don't throw us in that briar patch against a guy that's never really come close to beating us very much. Um, yeah, that works out great for the Bulldogs, I would say. Right? I mean, his first game's in Atlanta. Hey, at least Bo finally made it there. Well, whether Bo Nix was their quarterback or if it's still Anthony Brown, I think Georgia's going to win that game pretty, pretty handily. I think they're two, three touchdowns better than Oregon, no matter who. You know, even if Rattler or Slovis had gone there, I mean, I, I think Georgia's going to beat Oregon regardless but uh I, I think in some ways this is a, a really good decision for Bo uh I'm assuming he wanted to remain uh at, at a power five uh Oregon frankly has a better chance of making the playoffs next year than Auburn um it's it's an easier league 
to win. Um, Mario Cristobal left it in uh, very good shape uh, when he left. I think Dan Lanning can win uh, right away. Uh, Lanning, with his SEC ties, is probably going to have sort of an SEC-heavy uh, staff. Um, I think it's a good choice in terms of a pretty high platform. Oregon has produced quarterbacks who have been drafted very, very high, uh, including Justin Herbert, who's one of the best in the NFL now. So big stage, uh, a conference you can win in, uh, gets auditioned for the NFL, um, playing for a new staff, will have good players around him. I think it's a pretty – I'm a little surprised that it ended up Oregon, but I think overall – it was a good choice, and uh, you know the kid kid was heavily criticized. I mean, the reaction the reaction on the Auburn boards to me, and, and the comments by Auburn fans uh, to me it, it, when he left, it, it just makes perfect sense why he left. That kid that kid really got beat up by his own fans over there, pretty pretty bad. And uh, you know, we'll see. I, I think. To, to me, to me, this is what I'm real curious about. Uh, next fall, who has the better quarterback next year, Auburn or Oregon? And uh, I'm really curious to see how that works out. Yeah, I mean, I think it would be Oregon. I mean, no matter if it were Brown or Knicks, frankly. I mean, <laughs> if you assume Auburn's quarterback is going to be Finley. Now, Auburn may reach into the transfer portal and get somebody, but – yeah, there was some buzz about Keaton Slovis. I don't think that's going to be him. But I found the tweet from Stuart Mandel. It said, Bo Nix's national passer rating, his three seasons at Auburn. In 2019, it was 84th. 2020, 82nd. 2021, 86th. The much maligned Anthony Brown this season is 64th. So I, I just find it a little bizarre. That's his landing spot. It's also like literally the furthest away he could get from Auburn, which may be <laughs> right. what he wanted. Um, I think think there's some symbolism there. I think there's some symbolism there. Yep. Yep. But I mean, you're telling me there's not a a big 12 program that would be a better fit. I mean, look, Bo, go do you. I mean, do whatever the hell you want to do, but I just, boy, that's, that's odd to me. Um, and then to open with Georgia, I mean, it, I wonder if Oregon kept that information from him, (laughs) (laughs) but Hey, I, I applaud like, no, no, you, both. I applaud both schools. I applaud both schools for having such a tough opener. Well, I mean that's it's, a significant opening game. I mean it's, it's significant. It is. I mean we we don't think of it as that way because we know how good Georgia is, and so if, if Oregon's not a huge non-conference game, that just shows how small the list is. You know, uh, in, in terms of who who could play Georgia that would move the meter, but. Uh, no, that's a good yeah, point. That's, that's a pretty good opening opening game there. It'd be a hell of a lot better opening game if Mario Cristobal were still at Oregon, and Oregon didn't have a lot of people decommitting and transferring and all this other crap. I mean, it'd that's be a hell of a lot landing, by the way. I, I mean, I know it's a heck of a gamble because of his age and lack of experience, but I'm pretty high on him. I hear I hear a lot of good things about how super sharp this guy is, and uh, hey, he's worked for Nick, he's worked for Kirby. He's kind of grown up in the SEC, uh, and now he's going to a place with money that can recruit that's sort of an NIL haven. So uh, uh, I think a lot of things are in place there for Dan Laning to do well. Jimmy, this is it, the putt to win the tournament. If you sink it, the championship is yours. 
but on your backswing, your hat falls over your eyes. Is this how you're running your business? Poor visibility because you're still relying on spreadsheets and outdated finance software? Weirdo. To see the full picture, you need to upgrade to NetSuite by Oracle. Over 28,000 businesses already use NetSuite for the new year. NetSuite has a new financing program for those ready to upgrade at netsuite.com slash LockedOnBama. Actually, use promo code LOCKED. Just locked. How about that? Head to netsuite.com slash locked for this special one-of-a-kind financing offer for the number one financial system for your growing business. Netsuite.com slash locked. That's netsuite.com slash locked. Also want to tell you about prize picks. Been telling you how much fun I've had with prize picks, and this is real. Um, it's it's just been awesome. It it really changes the way you watch uh pro football, especially right now, or any college basketball, NBA, whatever, but I've really enjoyed it in the NFL because my fantasy team um sucks like a vampire's vacuum. So I'm uh, out of the playoffs and I need some reason to keep me entertained and glued to the NFL. And um man, prize picks is the way to go. Use promo code locked on and you'll get uh, a bonus of up to $100 with your deposit. So go to prizepicks.com or use their award-winning app. Either way, all you have to do is pick over-unders on, on player stats. It's that easy. I mean, so if you think Amari Cooper is going to get more than 45 yards receiving, just pick over. If you think he's going to get less than that, pick the under. It's that simple. Go to prizepicks.com or use their award-winning app. Either way, you can't beat them with a stick. That's prizepicks.com. All right, Jimmy. Um, Let's do a little uh, memories like the corners of my mind with uh, this year. <laughs> uh, what a dumb line. I've always thought that line was kind of dumb. Memories like the corners of my mind. Is that a dumb mm-hmm. line or is that brilliant? I can't, It's either dumb or brilliant. Um, Must be brilliant because you anyway. remember it. And I don't think that song has been a hit since like 1963. That is a good point. Um, all right, so let's go back to game one and let's talk about what we were feeling going into that game. It's Alabama, Miami, um, you know, in Atlanta. Uh, I, I love playing there because it does give us a feel for the Mercedes Dome um, every year. And, you know, every year we have a lot of turnover. So it's good for those guys to get in there and get a sense of what that's like in case that you go to the SEC championship game. And who knows, maybe it helped us this year later on. Bryce Young. He threw for 344 and four touchdowns. He was 27 of 38. Um, I'm looking here and literally shedding a tear at the running game with Brian Robinson gets 60 yards. But then Trey Sanders, Jace McClellan, Roy Dale Williams all run the ball. Uh, you know, Trey Sanders, I mean, he's been sort of hit or miss all year, still hadn't fully recovered from all his injuries. Jace McClellan, Roy Dale Williams now out. Um, so, yeah, that it makes me yearn for having just one of those dudes. Uh, that would be nice. And then how about Cameron Latu scoring two TDs in that game? I, people forget about that because he was a thing at the beginning of the year, and then he's kind of tailed off. Yeah, um, interesting. A uh, couple of those notes, you know, we went into this year uh, saying we would have a running back by committee. that We had a number of talented guys, but no alpha dog, and they would kind of divide and conquer and just stay fresh. And, boy, didn't end up working out that way at all. Uh, partly due to injury and partly due, frankly, just to the emergence of Brian Robinson as an alpha dog type back. I mean, he really developed into a first team all SEC running back, somebody we could really ride for a bunch of carries. And uh, 
so so that Miami game really didn't didn't show that, but but that's the way it ended up being. Um, I remember being very impressed with Alabama's performance against Miami and Nick Saban. There was so much new on offense, the new quarterback, the new coordinator, new backs, new receivers. We didn't really know a ton about Jamison Williams, who caught a 96-yard touchdown pass in that game, which was sort of a sign of things to come for him all season. Uh, but, yeah, I remember just being really impressed. I, I, I didn't think Miami would beat Alabama, but I thought there was a chance the game could be tight because Alabama had so many parts on offense. Alabama won the game easily, and in retrospect, we should have known right then and there that, uh, hey, there might be some bumps and bruises along the way, but uh, but this is a playoff team. We looked like a playoff team that day. Oh, definitely. Um, one other thing, yeah, Jameson Williams did have a 94-yard touchdown, and he only had 126 yards receiving. So, obviously – uh, the bulk of those yardage came on that one play, which is weird to think about now because it's not like Jamison Williams has a lot of five-yard catches. Jamison Williams' yeah. catches, they go for a lot every time. So, um, yeah, I mean, it, it seems like uh, Jamison Williams, is his game's grown a little bit, but he's still a, a big threat to get the, you know, an 80-yarder or whatever. Uh, it's interesting. I'm looking at the CBS write-up of the game. And they have the stats there. And they say Henry Toho Toho was targeted twice with two receptions for 25 yards. I'm assuming they um, they mean that's – it's not holding. Who's number 10? Oh, JoJo, JoJo Earl. Earl. JoJo Earl. Yeah, yeah they, they got that mixed up. And, got then they have mixed Jaylen, up. and they have Jalen Armour Davis with four targets for three catches, who's Javon Baker. Javon so, Baker. <laughs> Good, good work doing your homework, CBS. And like they've had the whole year to fix this, and they hadn't done it. I'm looking at it right now. Um, that's ho- that's, that's hilarious, so but at the same time, it, it, it allows me to rant for the eighty hundred, the eighty hundredth time about double numbers. And this is one of the things that double numbers leads to uh, misidentification. And it's just so dumb. I mean, if I was a kid, I would want my own number, even if it. I mean, I, I might have my favorite number, but if I can't have my favorite number, I want my own number. I mean, I, I, it, it boggles my mind that some people prefer to have a double number. I, I, I just don't get it. Uh, and then one other thing that everybody will remember about that game, they do have in the write-up, I'd, I'd kind of forgotten about this. And I know this is something you do later, like go through and watch, rewatch every game from beginning okay. to end. But uh, when, Miami, when Miami was down 27 to nothing and Roydell Williams apparently fumbled, Miami gets the ball and they break out the turnover chain and everybody's like, Oh my God, this is so embarrassing. What are y'all doing? And then the only thing that could make it more embarrassing is the call is overturned and they have to put the chain back up. Chain back I mean, in the box. <laughs> that's, that's so Manny Diaz. I mean, that's, that's the most Manny Diaz moment since Manny Diaz was born. That was a season I mean, highlight for sure. But you know what? Roy Dell kind of got doghouse for that. Remember, I don't think we saw him for two or three more games. I don't think we saw him for two or three games after that. We sort of like, even though he got his own fumble back, that was the thing. I think he did fumble, but he, but he got it back. I mean, he yeah. fumbled and, and, and he got it back and the officials ruled that it was a fumble recovered by Miami and that was what was reversed. But yeah, Roy Dell got doghouse for that. <laughs> it was a while before he was in witness protection. Took a while, took a while before we saw him again, but you know, when you have a stable of backs, you can do that. Alabama can't do that anymore. We're now in the playoffs with 
really what I would call 1.5 backs. I mean, Brian, he's, he's healthy. He'll be able to carry it a bunch against Cincinnati. And Trey Sanders can spell him. Uh, but I, I don't think that, that, that ideally that, you know, Trey's going to have more than six or seven touches, I wouldn't think. No, in fact, I would say, yeah, I think we have 1.5 backs, but it's not even like Brian Robinson is the full back, the the full one, and uh, uh, Trey Sanders is 0. 0.5. I think it's more like 7 point, uh, you know, 0. 0.8 and 0. 0.7 added together. I mean, neither one of them is 100. So, um, Jimmy, let's go ahead and take a break. When we come back, we're gonna uh, remember the Mercer game. All right, Jimmy. Um, you know, just on our little reminiscing, because it's it's the holidays. This is when you get together with family. And you folks, our Locked On listeners, y'all are our family. Mainly because we don't like our real families much. But but also, <laughs> but also we love you guys. Um, so Mercer, Alabama. Alabama wins 48 to 14. Um, but it's funny because, you know, Alabama's only up 14 nothing after the first quarter. And I remember there being some angst about that. And then they score, you know, it's 31 to nothing at the half. And so you're thinking, okay, this is Alabama doing Alabama stuff. But Mercer does score seven points in the third and seven points in the fourth. And a couple of them, weren't they both kind of big passes, if I remember right? I'm trying to find Yeah, I think one was to a tight end because we, we were giving up a lot of yardage to tight ends basically all season long. And they did have a big, I think, a touchdown play to a tight end that, that was a long-distance play. Yeah, but, you know, I remember there being grumbling about Mercer to the point I went back and looked up, and I think there's kind of now been a history of, and it just makes sense. We have to remember these are college kids. Every year we forget. Every year the expectation at Alabama is not only win the national championship, but look like a national championship team for 60 minutes in every game, which Alabama has never done and never will. But we need to remember this formula. Look, when you, when you win a big game, and the opener against Miami is a big game, when you win a big game and then the next week you're like a 40 or 50-point favorite, just forget looking good. Forget it. You're going to win the game. Yeah. But yeah. it ain't going to be – it's not going to be a thing of beauty. I mean, you can't reel their attention back in that, that quickly, and Alabama was never going to take that Mercer game seriously. They were coming off a big win and had a big game coming up. I mean, it was a sandwich game on top of it. So – in retrospect, Mercer was never going to be pretty, yet it was still a convincing win. Um, yeah, it was. And then here's some other things. First of all, I forgot to mention the Miami game. Of course, we lost Chris Allen, which you know was a problem. But then in the in the Mercer game, I'm reading the CBS write up again, and it says Alabama cornerbacks Josh Job and Jalen Armour Davis didn't play for undisclosed injuries. And now, you know, now that we've come through the whole season, it feels like Joe's been dealing with injuries all year long. Uh, Saban got him back for the Florida game. But it was Marcus Banks and Cooley McKinstry both starting, and both of them had interceptions. Of course, Marcus Banks now in the transfer portal, and he would definitely be playing a lot now, so not exactly his best decision. Oh, he made a huge mistake. And then I I forgot about this. Listen to this. Tell me if you remember this. Alabama's Will Reichert extended his nation's best streak of made field goals to 19 until he missed a 34-yarder late in the third. Did you remember that? I didn't remember that Reichert uh, finally missed against Mercer. Uh, I, and if I remember right, it was a doink. I think he doinked it. Yeah, I think it was. I think, I think it was a doink. 
But I, I didn't know that he had made 19 in a row and that led the nation, and I didn't remember it was the Mercer game. But all the more reason that Mercer game just sort of sucked. <laughs> I mean, nothing yeah. really went great, although Banks and Kool-Aid played well. They both had picks. And, again, Marcus Banks, had he not transferred out, he would be playing and, and playing a, a, a critical role instead of being somewhere not in school looking for a place to play. I mean, gosh. Uh, but, you know, cool. Uh, Joe, that, that just goes to show how Job fought that turf toe all season long. I'm sure that's why he missed that game uh, against Mercer, but probably because the turf toe incident just happened. And, uh, and, and now it's caused him to miss the very end of the season. So Alabama's battled some cornerback issues the entire season. And uh, one of the constants has been Kool-Aid. We probably don't talk about the job he's done enough. I mean, I think we, we kind of looked like at one point we were like, Kool-Aid's going to be a true freshman starter and our next, you know, Saban freshman freak. Uh, he wasn't a full-time starter, so we don't think of him that way. But the fact of the matter is, in that Mercer game and all the games going forward, I think Kool-Aid proved he was damn sure good enough. He, he could have been starting all season and would have been doing really well. Yeah. <clears throat> and here's one other thing that, you know, because we play Mercer and we expect to pad our stats and then we just never think about Mercer again. This Mercer team went seven and three for the year. And and so yeah. they that's not bad. I mean, and one of their losses was to us. The other loss was to VMI 45 to 7, which isn't good. And then they lost to uh East Tennessee State 38-35. And it looks like that decided the Southern Conference. So again, I'm not trying to build up Mercer as a powerhouse. Don't get me wrong. I'm just saying that, okay, when you talk about playing cupcakes, yes. Mercer would be in the cupcake category, but they're a, they're one of the, they're one of those Gigi's cupcakes. They're not like some piggly wiggly brand cupcake that you buy in batches. This is a good cupcake, and so I mean, yeah. look, we could have played Wofford, who was zero and eight and one and ten in their conference and overall. So I'm, I mean, they're worst teams we could play. Uh, I just find it interesting that Mercer we just consider oh they're just awful they terrible and they go seven and three. And one of the losses is to us. I would say Mercer had a pretty damn nice year. Again, I'm not pretending like Mercer's in the Power Five. You know that cupcake we're starting out the season with next year, Utah State. They won yeah. the whole Mountain. Yeah, they won the whole Mountain West, and then won their bowl game over Oregon State. They beat Washington State earlier this year. They were two and zero against the Pac-12, and won the Mountain yeah. West by beating San Diego State, who was ranked. I mean, uh, Utah State, they ain't a cupcake. They're just a flat-out, legitimate, hey, Cincinnati, move over. Here comes Utah State. Yeah, they're not a cupcake. They're sort of like a side dish. Like, they're mashed potatoes with the skin on, though. You know, the good good mashed potatoes. Or a pie. Um, They're not a cupcake. They're not a cake, but they're they're like a pie, like like a solid Boston cream pie. Oh, that's not bad. I could go for that. Because, I mean, that's not my favorite, but it's still pretty good, yeah. and I'll eat it. It's not a cupcake. This is the worst commentary. This is the worst commentary ever. Um, anyway. The phone went in the garbage can, and the show went, went to hell. <laughs> the show the show followed it. Um, okay. Show what's next. That's going to do it for this episode. That's going to do it for this episode. We'll talk to you guys tomorrow. We're going to keep reminiscing unless there's some big stories out there. I mean, it's, you know, not exactly – 
going to be a huge week for news, as you people know. Um, but I think what you can do. I think whether Saban lets the team go home for Christmas is an interesting story. You know, he did last year. <laughs> well, I mean, he did last year. I mean, with COVID, I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm the op- Nick let the team go home last year when COVID was bad or even worse. And I'm, I'm worried about that issue. I mean, I, I, I mean, the nightmare is he lets the guys go home for Christmas and then they come back Sunday or Monday and 20 of them are positive. And now we don't have the lineup against Cincinnati. So I think, I think the discussion of, uh, you know, shouldn't it let our kids go home for Christmas is a pretty good one. I mean, I think he is. And I think most of the people listen to the show would say, Hey, whatever Nick does is best, or I believe they should go home and see their family. I'm, I'm, I'm the football head. I'm the ogre that's like, I know it's Christmas, but I want to beat Cincinnati, and I don't want to be missing five starters. No, I'm with you. But, of course, that works both ways because I assume Cincinnati folks will go home too, so they could be missing starters as well. So I think it's a risk you take at this point. I mean, look, and, and here's what wouldn't shock me. I don't know exactly what the protocols are for COVID right now, but they're loosening in the NFL because the NFL has figured out okay, um, we're sort of having a resurgence in some of this. At the same time, our guys aren't really in danger of death or I guess, I don't know. Um, but so what they're going to start doing is is loosening some of these restrictions and, and mandates. And because they're like, we're not going to be able to get this damn season in if we follow this thing to, to the letter that, as we have written it out. And so they've moved some games around. And they've already come out and said, we're going to loosen some of these other things. It wouldn't shock me that if some of the uh, protocols or mandates or whatever are out there, and I don't even know what the hell they are, were loosened because they're not going to not play a college football semifinal. They're just not going to not do that. There's too much money at stake. So they're not going to just say, oh, well, you know, Alabama or Cincinnati gets a forfeit and goes on. That's not going to happen. I don't think they'll figure out some way to make it happen, especially if somebody you know, is tested positive, but has been vaccinated and boosted and everything else. I mean, the, 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 they've done all they can do. And so, and they're not sick, but anywho, um, I'm, I'm pretending like I know one, 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 one hundredth thousandth of what Dr. Fauci knows or any doctor for that matter, Dr. Seuss. And I don't. So, um, I'm just throwing shit against the wall here to end this podcast. So that'll wrap it up. We'll talk to you My guys. Favorite children's book, COVID in the Hat. <laughs> All right. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Roll time. Roll time.